0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet. It's time to anchor down.
1: Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Luke Wyatt. We will talk Vanderbilt baseball and mostly about The series, or excuse me, the single game went over at Louisville on Tuesday night and the upcoming series with Florida. Pitching issues, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, we hope you enjoy today's episode with Luke Wyatt. Luke Wyatt joins me. It is Wednesday morning. Vanderbilt has beaten Louisville in baseball the night before in a crazy game that went 12 innings and used more pitchers than I can count. Actually, I can count, I think it was 21. So we got a lot to talk about there, and wherever else this goes today, Luke, thanks for joining
0: us. Good morning, Chris. Yeah, uh, it was a good win for Vanderbilt, Louisville, and you can tell by the way they, uh, how they, who they started last night, it was a, I think they viewed that as a critical game they needed to get. It didn't happen for them, but uh, uh, that was a good win for Vandy. It's, a, I guess, their top 30 RPI, so uh uh, you know, I think they're as good as four, maybe four SEC teams in our league. So it's a good win. It took a lot—nine pitchers—and uh, we had just waiting for, uh, as an emergency pitcher. But uh, uh, good ball game to watch. Enjoyed it. Uh, got to see every pitch. And I'll tell you what, uh, David Horn is a, the, my take from the game. Uh, it looks like that may be an arm you're able to rely on for a couple of innings now.
1: Yeah, let's start there, and then I'll go to some other things. I think you're right. David Horn was a kid who I think was listed as one of the top 50 freshmen in the league by D1 Baseball. Of course, he's had – I think it was an appendix issue maybe and has missed it most is. of the season. And sometimes when you miss a lot of the season, it's a little hard to get back, but he's back now, and – I. Don't know if people watch the game or not. Like if you look at the box score, there were some walks and things, but A, I thought the strike zone was tight, and B I thought he did a good job of of pitching around things and and players and, and not leaving the ball up there to get hammered, although there were a couple long foul balls. But I guess I'm getting at the same thing you are that if you watched it, you were pretty impressed with how he threw his body language, he looked confident. And I think you're right. He does look to me like an arm that can be used going forward.
0: Yeah, Chris, I'm trying to figure out, and I'm going from the worst-case scenario, if there's something going on with Carter Holton and we don't have him, I'm trying to figure out who the 10 guys that you can rely on when you get to a regional. And uh, he's definitely one of those 10 now. Uh the next thing we have to solve is to figure out Carter Holton's situation. You know, we talked about this, Chris, what could, you know, this team has been pretty consistent all year long. What could uh, derail them? And health is a concern. I know everyone has health concerns. I get that. But um, that's the one thing that we've been fairly, except for a few pitchers, we've been, uh, you know, everything's worked out okay for us, but now, with this Carter-Holton situation, I don't have any knowledge of exactly what it is. I know they checked him out yesterday. He stayed back. Uh, got to hopefully get him right. If you get him right, man, those three guys going into a regional, I feel great about that.
1: Yeah, and I did mention this in another podcast. I don't think it was one I did with you, but the thing is, if Vanderbilt hosts, and I'm, I'm almost certain that it will, that Friday night game, now you may face an ace in the other dugout. That's what you want. You don't want a, you know, a four that's got one really good pitcher, and you see him for eight innings. That's your nightmare. Right. But if they just get a run of the mill team that doesn't have an ace and they hit okay, you can get through a Friday night game. You know, with a, a limited Carter Holton or no Carter Holton or Patrick Riley, who I think now is the guy on the spot. I, I think that Patrick can give them four to five good innings, and and with Putrell and Owen, the way they can get up innings behind that. And you do have some other good arms. We'll get to the mix of pitchers, or, yeah, pitchers in a minute. But I guess that's a long way of saying, given the position of where they are, and maybe it's different in the Super Regional or Omaha, if they are to get to either of those, I'm a little less concerned because I think the way they can piece it together and the dynamics that come after that. Now, look, hopefully – you know, you, you sit them out for a couple of weeks or whatever, and figure it out uh, whether it's a mechanical thi- mechanical thing or a health thing. But I do think that it's all is not lost. Let's say even if you do have Carter Holton done or limited for the rest of the year.
0: Right, and you know, I, I just look at we, of our sixteen guys. Basically, Holton Reagan, I think, is out for the year, if I'm not mistaken. I think so that's you, right. Bryce Cunningham is. Uh, unfortunately, he just gives up too many long balls. I mean, he is a home run waiting to happen, and I hate that for Bryce because I think he has good stuff, and I think he will become a good pitcher at Vanderbilt. Um, And then you got the wild card out there with Dukanich, but the more this goes on, it's been, what, two months since he's pitched? I don't know what to think about Dukanich anymore because you can't throw a kid out there when the tournaments start. I mean, you can in the SEC tournament, but if he doesn't pitch in uh, in the next couple in the next uh, seven games, at some point maybe against MTSU, I'm not so sure that we can count on him for anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, I still think you can you can probably go Owen and Futrell for a dozen innings between them, probably more like thirteen or fourteen if things are really on the line. And if you can get five out of Riley, you know, you can piece it together the rest of the way. But I'm going to switch gears on him a minute with Maldonado. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if he's got some kind of an issue or is on some kind of a account because you'll notice the last three weekends, they've been very sparing in their usage with him. You're thinking, well, he pitched Friday, he'll come back. Sunday, he doesn't. I don't know if that's just to try other things. And, and last night, he pitches an inning, then he comes out for Horn who gives them, what was it, three from that point on. It That's a an interesting thing to watch there too.
0: Well, here's what I like, and this is just the 21 years, and knowing him the way I do, his personality and the way you do, Tim is such a big picture guy. I think he yeah. realizes that, look, we're a couple wins away from being able to play all the way to Omaha at home. So that's the only thing out there that we really have to worry about. And I think he feels pretty good about that. Not that he would ever go out with an intent to lose a baseball game. But to get people ready, I think that's what it is. I think he's trying to to get to what I just spoke of. Who are those ten arms that you're going to be able to rely on in postseason? Because you got to narrow it down. You really do. And uh, you know, last night the only two pitchers that struggled, J.D. Thompson did, but I'll be honest with you, I felt like he got squeezed pretty bad. Uh, oh, that was now, a tight zone, Luke. Tight zone, tight zone. Now on the other side of the coin, JD has to adjust to that, but he's a freshman. So anyway, and then Bryce pitched poorly. But besides that, everyone else did their job. And uh, I just think, I just think that Corbs is looking at the big picture and worrying about winning the war instead of battles.
1: I'm wondering if they were saving Anderson for maybe Friday also I didn't realize this Anderson has pitched 11 and a third innings now he's walked 11 guys but he's not given an extra base hit up all year
0: no when he throws strikes Jack's good he's solid yeah it's just uh, there's times when he is not it's not competitive pitches at all but uh you know again there's a veteran presence Corbs talks about it all the time older guys and uh Jack's even though it wasn't the SEC he pitched a, he logged a lot of innings at uh in the Ivy League, and Corbs likes that. He likes smart kids. He likes kids uh, fans, Jack Bulger, and, and, you know, he loves kids like that, and, and I think he likes to put them in positions of pressure because he feels confident in them.
1: Yeah, they're in a weird spot because you don't know about their – one of their four starters right now, Holton and Dukanich. I still would call Dukanich their four. That's who was supposed to be their four coming into the year, I think. You don't know where their health is taking them. And I'm starting to wonder if Canach, if there's something else to, other than a hamstring, because two months is a long time to be out with a hamstring. And, and I mean, I say that that's an injury that does linger and gets reaggravated. So maybe that's all there is to it. You've got well, Grayson Moore. Did Grayson Moore pitch last weekend?
0: He, in Tuscaloosa? Uh, no, he didn't. Uh, he pitched an inning last night, but no, he
1: didn't. Okay, I didn't. Did I didn't roll. I was. Um, my son had a game. And so right. I had most of my focus on that until I, I got home, I think, in the ninth. And I was watching a little bit here and there.
0: No, I, um, I said the only two pitchers that struggled were Bryce and J.D.
1: Okay, so I didn't realize Moore had pitched an, an inning last night, but that makes sense.
0: He had a scoreless inning, Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I think he can help you too. Schultz can help you in spots. I, I think Schultz might be a guy that if you get to Omaha is more valuable there because of the longer fences, because that's really been the only issue he's had is just home runs.
0: It's it's because his fastball flattens out sometimes. He leaves it right in the middle of the play. And, yeah. And these guys nowadays with those bats, and they're just not missing yeah. them anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's Same thing fine. with Luboki.
0: Yeah, I think Luboki they figured out is just a one-inning guy or, two-inning max guy. You know, I think yeah. at 1st hoping he could be a starter or a guy that could come in like Patrick Riley's done and if your starter has a bad night, can come in and, and, and get you six innings. But I think that's not Sam right now. I think Sam's more of a one or, one- or two-inning guy. Well,
1: I think you have to feel good about how that went because I just thought coming in, that's a tough game to win. Because is. Louisville is right now not going to make the NCAA tournament. It's got to win a lot of games between now and the finish line. And Louisville's really good at home. By the way, Louisville is 44, I think, in the RPI this morning. Or at least it was at man, there's a big discrepancy. Warren Nolan's got him at 36. I think D one had them. Let me let me check this. Do you want or Nolan often have different RPI numbers. Let's see. I'm sorry, Louisville's 35. So that, that is a good win. It's not a top 25 win, but Louisville is this year 21 and 8 at home, 5 and 11 on the road, 3 0 neutral. But Louisville goes to Virginia this weekend, then has Florida State. To finish, which it needs to sweep, and Louisville is what nine and fifteen in the league, so maybe boring winning two at Virginia, and maybe sweeping Florida state um, man that gets that's a tough road to hoe
0: well, the one thing going in their favor is Florida State for the first time in what four decades probably is not going to make the tournament yeah
1: nineteen and twenty eight right,
0: yeah. So it does nothing Unless for your RPI, the,
1: but it gets you it gets you the conference wins you need.
0: Correct. Yeah, because that would put them, like you said, that would put them with fourteen conference wins. If they did what you said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought that
1: a team with its back against the wall that plays well in that park, a, a rivalry. I just thought there were too many things going against him to expect to win that game so winning it and winning it the way that it did with the come from behind and hanging on in extra innings and fighting through some tough pitching circumstances and putting together enough runs and leaving guys on base everything they did I thought that that was a win that had to give them a little bit of a lift
0: well what excited me about the win more than anything was okay we take the lead on the Parker Nolan solo and then they come right back and tie it but we uh, they uh, and then they had the winning run at second base. We we stop them there, come back and uh, battle through, and and then have the beginning to get the four runs up. That's that's a good resilient team that can do stuff like that. And and you know you, there's not a lot of teams out there that would do that on a midweek game. You know if you, if the other team came back and then all we have left to pitch was at the time we thought Horn, who had not his last outing was not good at all you're thinking, well, this you know, we got to ride horn the rest of the way. Uh, it the, the the prospects didn't look good. I'll be honest with you. But uh to come out and have that big four run inning and I think they didn't they start their Friday night starter what was that correct or had he just been No, the they part? they
1: started their closer and then they closer. pitched two guys who've made multiple ACC starts.
0: Which tells me how important that game was to them. Right. And and uh, they they needed that one big time and that's what that's what makes it with the Vanderbilt win so much better. I I tell you the uh, that's that's like almost like a conference win to me. It it, it really is because it's when you take into consideration their situation at their place and they uh, they're playing with uh, a must win situation almost.
1: It's just tough to beat a major team in its park right now. I mean, it's winning on the road's always been tough, but you look in the SEC in particular. It's some of these teams that you know. Georgia's almost unbeatable at home right now. Tennessee's almost unbeatable at home right now. But you put some of these teams on the road, and you get some different yep. results. And I think that's what made Vanderbilt winning that game on Tuesday meaningful.
0: That's why I think when we get into, we get into the postseason, I tell you, a team that would worry me and I wouldn't want to see them from the SEC is Kentucky.
1: Yes, Kentucky and Alabama, both of them.
0: Yeah, Kentucky a little more so because I think their pitching is older. Uh, it's not great, but they got veteran guys that come out of that bullpen, and I, I just feel like you know in a big ballpark, they're going to be a monster. I think they can really uh, advance. They're they're kind of my pick. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that later on in a couple of weeks, but they're kind of my pick to uh, maybe make it not to Omaha, but at least to a super.
1: Yeah, and I, I think Alabama's tough, too. Alabama's 15 in the RPI this morning, by the way.
0: And that, so that that's good for us, actually. Um, no one else in the league lost last night. I think there were a couple of so everybody won their midweek game this week. That's different because last week, I think we had four or five teams lose their midweek game.
1: Yeah, it was a bloodletting last week. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible.
0: You know, I, I, Chris, I, switching gears if you don't mind, on the other side of the that there's we will talk about guys that are hot or who are slumping a bit. R.J. Austin to me has really hit a wall. Uh, I don't know what he is statistically, but he's down to 260 and striking out a bit more than he was earlier in the year uh Shrek had his first O for five in recent memory, uh, although he did get an RBI and walked, but uh I'm not really worried about Shrek. I like the fact that gave Baldonato a night off. I liked that. I like the fact that we I, I did like Polk and Hewitt as D H in left field. Um, and both catchers played. Uh, Troy Laniv's the only one that really I was hoping to get in at bat last night. Him or J.D. Rogers and neither one of them got in the game. But uh, I, I'm really excited about. It. I th- I think you know we, Chris, we talk about it. We're now counting our neutral site games. I think we're what 12 and eight and 20 in the 20 games we played away from Hawkins Field. That probably is about as good as anybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of major college teams, it's up there. Like Arkansas, I'm looking is what eight and eight away from home. South Carolina is eleven and eight. LSU is twelve and five.
0: So LSU a bit also better.
1: caught kind of the. I feel like LSU caught the easy end of the schedule. I mean, there's no easy end of the schedule in the SEC, but they don't play Florida, Vandy, Missouri, and let's see, they played. At A and M, at South Carolina, at Ole Miss, at Auburn. I mean, I, I I'll take that back. That's that's not easy. I don't think I don't think it's easy anywhere. I mean, even Missouri was hard to beat at home at first.
0: I got to be honest with you. The only team right now that I would wouldn't mind playing is Ole Miss, because I think they may have thrown it in. But everybody else, even Mississippi State, although their pitching is just so poor, uh, it's hard for them. To, but they're going to score some runs. But, you know, isn't it wild that the two Mississippis will probably be the two that don't even get to Hoover? Oh,
1: I know. That just tells you so much about how tough this league is.
0: It's unbelievable. If you if you have a hiccup, people are going to pass you by. Right. That's why I think, you know, I saw some a couple of comments, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But I saw a couple of comments on the board, Chris, that just really disgusted me being berating Corbin and berating the team. And I'm like, guys, come on. You, do you realize how lucky you've been as a Vanderbilt fan to have yeah. a program that's been so consistent for the last 20 years, 21 years. My goodness.
1: Yeah. And I posted in that thread, I said, whatever gripes you have, fine. It's, it's a message board. That's what it's here for. But there's, sure. and some people kind of fought back on this Said, Oh, well, they'll just pick up and they'll get another great coach and what? No, there are, Coaches a lot of times are commodities, but you get there are certain guys that are at the very, very, very top of their profession that are not. And he's irreplaceable. I don't care if they go out and get the best coach in college baseball, whoever that is, he's not gonna do if they make the change today, the next twenty years, what Tim Corbin has just done. There's there's almost no way.
0: No, that's like saying the next person at Alabama in football is going to win like Nick Saban did. It's not
1: yeah, going to happen. How did how do they go for Ray Perkins when he replaced exactly. Bear Bryant? I mean, that's that's almost the way it always goes. Yes, they, they get a good coach. Yes, the job's attractive, but he is a one-of-one.
0: One. Yes, he is. You know, I, I went to Alabama last week, Chris, and uh, Garrett Walker, who uh, used to work for Corbs and worked for me, he told me, he said, I asked him some questions about who he he works with basketball now with Nate Oaks, but I asked him some things about Coach Corbin that's different from anybody else. He said, Luke, he's the most detailed, oriented guy I've ever met in my life. He never misses a trick. He never misses anything that goes on from did someone drop trash on the floor to uh, did someone miss class. He just doesn't miss a trick. And he said it's. Uh, he said he was the. He said I learned more from that man working for him than I did any two coaches.
1: Yeah, that that's that sounds about right.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, Gainesville this weekend. By the way, the first game. I don't know why this early. Friday's game starts at four thirty, which will be nice. That might have a little bit of a night in that case. Although I'll, who am I kidding? I'll I'll be watching the rest of the league, but. Yeah, what what do you make of that series coming? Because that's always a tough matchup for them. I think they're the better team, but to me, I think if you can say take one of two and, and get out of there with a, a chance, you know, against Arkansas. Though Arkansas, when it gets to Nashville, will be getting a lot healthier. But Arkansas plays much better on the home on its home field than it does on the road. I guess that's a long way of saying. I feel like if you can get one out of two at Florida. I'd be okay with that if I'm Vanderbilt. I mean, of course, he's not going to think that way. And anything, anything above that would be tremendous.
0: Yeah, I think – or if you disagree with this, I think if we win one against Florida and two against Arkansas, we're hosted yeah. all the way through. You're right where you want I mean, to the be. MPSU That's game, correct. The, the middle game I don't think matters, win or loss. I mean, it'd be fine. Just adds to your win total but I don't know that it would hurt you if you lost it. Maybe it would. I don't know. But I don't think it's going to keep us from hosting.
1: Yeah, it would hurt a uh, little bit. I, I mean, if, if they really, really hit the skids, then it might be the difference between them hosting one and two, one weekend and two weekends. But I'm looking, let's see if Boyd's World has updated his RPI needs reports. Which tells you what you need to be to be in the top eight or top 16 of the RPI. And that's not a guarantee, but let's see. Okay, so this is through, this is before last night. They had four home games, four road games. That would now be four and three. To finish in the top 16, they needed one win somewhere. So they're already. Barring whatever happens in Hoover, they've already clinched a top 16 RPI, and they need, let's see, it said zero home wins, four road wins, one home win, three road wins, two home wins, and two road wins, or three home wins and no road wins. I guess that's all because you face Arkansas is where that discrepancy comes in. But anyway, they needed three to four wins, and they just got – One of them. So now you need two to three more wins to to finish in the top eight of the RPI heading into Hoover, which it it could change there to be fair. But if you go 20 and whatever and win the East, you're going to get a national seed.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, and right now South Carolina has hit the skids. So uh, South Carolina's hurt. Yeah, I know. Uh, You know, I look at the right now who's basically the top eight. Would would be the top eight seeds. And, uh, I think we would be right now fourth or fifth.
1: Fourth is what I've
0: got. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Behind Four Arkansas,
1: just barely behind Arkansas. And, and, you know, like you, you go three and three and take the series from Arkansas, and maybe you're the three.
0: Yeah. That's so. going to play itself out. Um, I, I, you know, the Florida, getting back to the Florida series, um, they're going to score runs, obviously. Now, I, I watched them, and there wasn't a lot of... and I say this, and we'll go out and get beat 20 to nothing every game. But there sure wasn't a whole lot of... spirit. I guess you could say, with Florida, those those couple of games I watched, it was like they were kind of going through the motions those last couple of games. Yeah, uh,
1: that it felt like it. Tennessee, too, before Knoxville.
0: Yeah, it did. You're right. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know... Like you said, the difference in home teams and road teams, I don't remember it being this big of a gap, but it just really seems that if you're at home, you're going to win two or three, or maybe sweep. Yeah. I'd like to go back and look at that, Chris, maybe at the end of the year, how many sweeps there were this year compared to last year. I just feel like there was, there's was been so much, so much more of that going on.
1: I'm trying to look at... Um... Dimensions. The they changed the name of this ballpark. It's the Condren Family Ballpark. Florida. See dimensions, because I feel like they play in a bandbox. box.
0: Uh, I don't know that. I don't know that.
1: Yeah, I mean the, the Florida hits a lot of home runs. You
0: know, and are,
1: Yeah, let's see. It is, let's see, 330 to left, 380 to left center. Okay, maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Uh, 400 to center, 380 to right, center, 330 to right.
0: That's pretty standard. That's that's deeper than a lot. Yeah, it is. But now you get a lot of breezy stuff down in Florida. You get some some winds that kick up. And, yeah, I mean, the ball will fly out of there. But I will tell you, the Cagliang kid, most of his home runs are no doubters. He yeah. doesn't have many walls. That kid's amazing. And he does not walk. No. That's the reason why you pitch him away, 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 and if he happens to hit one out to the left field, that's fine.
1: Yeah. Right. They have hit 48 home runs in SEC games, which it's leads to the league. swing at every
0: you got you to gotta figure – and then them or Tennessee, I would think, would lead the league because of the park Tennessee plays in that we've talked about a ton. Yeah, Tennessee's hit 40. Tennessee hit four. Tennessee hit four or five more last night against Austin P.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, by the way, we, we had a little bit of a delay there, so we talked over each other without meaning to for a minute, just to let people know. Yeah, I, I feel like – Last night was a good test for Florida. They've already been to Knoxville and been through all that, everything that comes with that. So I would think that they are, look, they're playing a team that until Tennessee came along and and rose to power, this was the team that always kind of got in their heads and rattled them and and did things to them that nobody else would. Uh, Tennessee is definitely that team now and and Tennessee owns the series right now or owns the rivalry at the moment. But yeah, I, I feel like Having been there and having been to Louisville, probably what you're going to get down there may be a little tamer than than what you've been getting in the past. Having having said that, you know, Florida may decide what's at stake here and (laughs) they get an energized Florida just like Vandy got an energized Tennessee. But it has always been that kind of a – of an environment where they just had issues with, with the way that Florida played them and the trash talk and all those things that comes with playing Florida.
0: You're right. Now, um, Tim has losing records against two teams in the sec. Florida's one of them. I think he's like 31 and 37 against them. And then Texas A&M on a much smaller sample size. Besides that, he has a winning record against everybody. So that, that being said, you're right. This is a, Tough place for us to play, always has been, always will be probably. And uh but they're very familiar. It's kinda of like Coach McConnell at, at Louisville. Kim is very familiar with this guy. Who worked uh, they they shared an office, I think, at one point. So they should know everything about each other. Are you ready
1: for the mailbag?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Okay, the mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you have a loved one that's been hurt in an accident, Taylor or Russell, call 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Okay, we had a question about Carter Holt and and replacement. I think we hit all that earlier. Is there any ground to cover on that that we didn't?
0: No, I think we just got to wait to see what the results are from his exams or... X-rays or whatever they did with him yesterday.
1: Yeah, surely he's not pitching this weekend, I would think.
0: I don't think so. I think the earliest you would see him would maybe if they want to test him and be against MTSU next week. I don't think he pitches okay. the rest of here's a
1: Here's a non-question, but it's pretty funny. Uh, Pepperdor says, This is my official statement. I'm withholding my What's Up with Dave, Davis Diaz question from this week's mailbag. He had a nice game last yeah. night.
0: Well he did he had the best he played great at alabama he he's uh he's he's right where he should be what are we thinking? He should hit two
1: <laughs> right. He got charged with the only error last night correct yeah,
0: and yeah. I don't remember i don't it was a it was, it was a tough
1: play down third, and I think it was almost he he may have even fielded it in foul ground and throwed a ball uh, throwed, good grief where's my head? Threw a ball to Parker Nolan at first. Yeah, it was a one offer
0: Parker.
1: He done throw the ball. Um he threw he the ball to first. <laughs> right. And and uh it bounced and Parker I thought could I mean I I say that. I think I that might have been one I was uh catching on the phone between innings or something, but I remember thinking that was a little bit of a tough error. You've seen you've seen hits go for much less.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those where yeah, if Parker scoops it, you get him by a half step. But I mean, that's a that's a play you either do or you don't. I, I, I disagree with that being an error. Now, there was also another one, unless I'm mistaken, where Enrique lays down a beautiful bunt and they throw wide to first and they scored an error all the way when it should have been a hit in the error because the throw was wild, allowing runners to advance. But they just gave it a, an error all the way around, which robbed Enrique of a hit.
1: Yeah, I didn't see – Louisville got charged with four errors. I didn't realize that. Um, and one I think I saw – I think one was on the pitcher when he couldn't pick up a bunt. But I, I think I I must have watched when when the fielding was making the plays on that end. It was a weird I, – I looked at the, the box score going to extra innings, and Vanderbilt out hit them like – I don't know, 10 to 6 or something like that. And I couldn't figure out, like, why is this game tied? And it was left on base was the big difference. But, I don't know, Louisville must have just really hit when runners were on and, and Vanderbilt just didn't, I guess.
0: Well, it, it, they left. At one point, we had left on 10. They left on 8. It was a very, very even game until that four-run inning for us. And then, of course, we hit. Gosh, I don't know how many batters we hit, but I think it was three or four, and then we walked some guys. But you know, I, uh, their four errors were uh, one of them: the pitcher just turning through the ball into center field one time. That was one of their errors. So it was not a pretty game, but it was an interesting game. And you get that, when you have a bullpen game, both teams uh, using a bullpen you're going to get a lot of runs, a lot and uh, a lot of balls put in play.
1: Both teams walked six guys. Uh, Vanderbilt got hit. Looks like Bradfield got hit. Polk got hit twice. Hewitt got hit. And they had four guys hit. So the, the free passes were even.
0: Yeah, it was a four-hour and a half game, a four-and-a-half-hour game.
1: Yeah, a lot of stolen bases, too. Bradfield got one. Hewitt got one. Had the Knapchick kids stole three. Benson stole one. But Man, they stole six bases last night on Vanderbilt. I didn't realize it was that many.
0: Bulger threw out one, one, one attempt, threw out one guy. And that was it.
1: Yeah, and then they made the defensive replacement late. So th- Now, that'll be interesting to see how they catch this weekend.
0: Yes. Um, Espinal's at bat last night. Wasn't good. Missed the breaking ball twice, swing and miss. Uh, but he's just, gosh, defensively, I love him behind the plate defensively. Even the last out of the game. I don't know if you were watching, but it was a strike him out. The ball rolls away toward the own deck circle, toward Vanderburgh oh, dugout, yeah. and he just poses the guy out. I mean, I was thinking he was going to reach.
1: Oh, I was too. When that ball rolled away, I thought this is about to be a runner on first situation, and we're gonna we're gonna be up a little yeah. longer. But that's that's not the way it went down. Florida has stolen, by the way, twenty five of thirty bases. I did not realize the Gators ran that much. That's in league play. Right. Uh, Georgia, Georgia was. The, did you see what Georgia did to Tennessee this weekend? And see, I, I think if you're Vanderbilt, that's what makes that weekend sting a little bit more. Is Vanderbilt was yeah. unable to get guys on and do what I think gives Tennessee trouble. Yeah, and Georgia stole I think five or six bases in a game. Like I was watching the SEC stats for a while. Like the first three to four weekends of the year, they didn't even attempt to steal.
0: No, Chris. Here's the best stat. And I don't know the kid's name. I think it was the second baseman. He had four stolen bases on the season. He stole four in that game.
1: Yeah. Was that Murillo or so, is that the shortstop?
0: Uh, I think that's, it wasn't the shortstop. It was the second baseman. I can't remember. Well, is that,
1: no, Will Davis is the third baseman. I should know this, but I don't. But anyway.
0: Now, you talk about a team that was beat up with injuries. I thought Tennessee, going into the series, I thought Tennessee would win it two out of three. But then once I realized the injuries and the injuries that happened during that series, I thought Tennessee would sweep.
1: I mean, their pitch. Well, I see. I didn't, I didn't. After the first game, I felt better about Tennessee's chances to sweep. But I mean, Georgia, Georgia swept Arkansas down there. I can't remember if they swept Kentucky or beat Kentucky two of three. Georgia's won a lot of games against big name opponents in that park this year.
0: But you know that, but the second, I guess my point was that Game two, the starter gets hurt in the first inning. And he's out. So On the second a, pitch. Yeah. Yeah. So they're having to go with a bullpen guy and he pitched amazing for like five innings. Yeah, it was a kid
1: who hadn't thrown ten innings all year as a freshman lefty. And like if you're Tennessee, you're you're feeling great at that moment because you're going well. One game won twelve to three and now we got their best starters thrown two pitches. He's in the dugout and we got a man on first. And somehow Georgia yeah. turned that into two wins. It's
0: crazy. Just crazy.
1: Well, just goes to show you the the capriciousness of baseball sometimes. So Great word. Or the randomness. That's a lot
0: better that's a lot better than throwed. <laughs> I like that word.
1: That, that goes to prove that sometimes, like, you you will say or type things that, like, you know or not. And that's why I sometimes have sympathy for somebody who misspeaks and, and says something really stupid publicly. Because, like, occasionally something, if you talk enough, will come out of your mouth. Sure. Like, where did that come from?
0: Uh, trust me. I do it all the yeah. time. Yeah.
1: All right, this is the last one in the mailbag. Viewperior says, "Seeing the end zones with all the demolition and site prep is truly amazing." Are you aware that the new visitors' locker rooms will be in the northwest corner of the stadium seats?
0: I was not aware of that, but that you know, that's fine. Uh, it, you know, it used to be they the visiting team gets gets off the bus down by Memorial Gym, so that makes sense. You don't have to walk all the way across the field now. you just right at your locker room.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's right. Because that's going to be in the basketball building, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay, that's what he's getting at. Are you watching the uh, construction cams?
0: I've flipped back and forth. I saw it yesterday.
1: Yeah, I, I watched a little bit. I, I turned it on, I think, a couple days ago. They were actively doing stuff in, in both ends late in the afternoon like you could see bulldozers moving and shuffling stuff around, it it's really is kind of wild to watch it.
0: Oh, one, one quick thing uh, that I want to touch on. The last home series, uh, the Kentucky series, did you notice the concrete dust everywhere all over the fans? Yes. And I didn't know what it was. I, th- I thought it was the cotton candy machine that's below where we sit that was blowing sugar all over us. And then I realized that for a while, like, no, it's concrete because, you know, they're usually wetting that down during construction when they're over there working, but they they did work for two days so that it dried up. And all that concrete dust was flying around the stadium.
1: Yeah, they dealt with two things that week and you don't normally deal with in late April. One was that and one was hail.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you just flipped on the game and, and you see that Vanderbilt's field was white for about two minutes that was the strangest thing yeah we had three seasons in one during that game yes
1: you know the other weird thing is i always walk up the concourse right there next to the press box i I usually just walk through the aisle rather than take the elevator a i get sick of waiting on the elevator and, and b i just when i can walk instead of ride something that does the work for me it's better for my health and that's what i do but Sure. I've made that walk to the press box I don't even know how many hundreds of times. And you just kind of soak in the, your surroundings without processing it. And I'm mm-hmm. walking up the stairs during that Kentucky series, and it hits me. My backdrop of this walk has always been that closed end zone of the stadium. That is always right. like right in my peripheral vision behind the press box. It was weird to look up, and you just see sky where there used to be concrete.
0: Yeah. It is a weird – it's really weird for me because I was there for 40 years. You know, the end zone, I just think about all the all the time and all that I spent in that area. Because, you know, when we were build, rebuilding – or re, re excuse me, pardon me, I can't talk now. When we were refurbishing McGoogan, we had to move everything to the stadium and we worked out of the stadium for a year or almost a year. That and trailers. And, uh, so we were right there in the end zone the whole time we worked out of those locker rooms. So I spent an entire year and it's now all gone.
1: My best story about the part that got demolished. I think this was maybe the UNLV game where they got beat. Maybe that was the bad omen, but I didn't see it, but I heard about it. (laughs) They were, they were taking the field, um, you know before the game, of course, almost nobody was there, and and you know you had all kinds of undergirding and stuff and, and concrete columns and stuff. There was some homeless dude sleeping like up on a beam <laughs> underneath the stadium. <laughs> they walk oh, out wow. on the field that morning. I think there's a there's a homeless guy just hanging out up there that was that was
0: interesting. Well, and I know fans will like to hear this something interesting in that end zone and i wanted to get over there but you can't obviously get into a construction site and go to jail but there is a when the when, when practice is going on a lot of times the kickers would go to the stadium and kick if you're practicing on the practice field well there is a gap in the locker room above the uh, above the locker room where footballs would go to die in other words you couldn't get really? them unless you just yeah unless you go get a ladder and climb over and all that, and then you'd have to have a ladder to climb back. There was a gap between the roof of the the footballs, and I guarantee you this was going on since the sixties or seventies. They when they tore all that down, there had to be a bunch of footballs that were forty and fifty years old. Oh man, still underneath, and that would have been neat to go underneath there and see all that what was up there, under there. So there's probably at least a dozen of them, I'm sure, maybe more. How did a football get up there? But when they when they kick to the end zone and they go to stadium them by themselves, there's not a manager with them, so the balls just kind of bounce around. So they would hit right. the end zone and then bounce up over that wall, and then they get you are talking about the, the wall
1: lines. that's underneath the underhang, the overhang, Correct. right?
0: Correct. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah.
1: I think that was right near where they found the homeless dude.
0: I think you're right, and so that's yeah. <laughs>
1: Maybe he made (laughs) off with the footballs. I don't know. Yeah. You never know what's going to come up on the podcast.
0: I know. I love it. Yeah. Any parting
1: thoughts before we end today?
0: No. uh, We just got Florida. Uh, uh, I think I'm with you. Get one of those three, and you're still on track to do whatever you need to do. Uh, Yeah. I think we'll do that. I do think we'll get one at least.
1: Luke, appreciate you joining us. We'll catch you next week.